Welcome back to Magnifying Together. This is Josh Hodge, and we are now on episode number 27 of Remember Now Thy Creator Podcasts. Okay, short introduction for this podcast. This podcast has already been recorded a couple of months ago, so I'm just going to introduce it. It's actually very similar to a podcast that was released uh, about a month ago. We had a discussion with uh, younger teens on godly love. This podcast is a discussion with older teens on godly love. We discuss a few different aspects. There's different questions asked. Um, the reason we did this, this was done at Kids Camp, Manitoulin Island, 2022. We had a great time. I interviewed a whole bunch of the, the older teens that were there at the Kids Camp, and it's going to form the basis of the podcast. Um, they did an excellent job, and uh, so we wanted to share it with you. So here it is. Okay, welcome back to Manitoulin Island. We just got finished doing a podcast with the younger teens. We are now doing a podcast with the older teens. We got about 20 here in this room, and we are surrounded by God's beautiful creation. We've been studying Ruth this week, and we've been looking at life lessons from the example of Ruth. Today's life lesson was godly love. So what we're going to do for this podcast is I'm going to ask nine of the older teens some questions about love. They will answer, and that will form our podcast for today. So, Caden, how are you, by the way? Doing pretty good. Awesome. We're going to ask you the first question, and our first question on godly love is this. How does the world define love, and how is it different than godly love. The world uses the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. First John 2 verse 16 says, For all that is in the world and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. God the love doesn't care about these things. He cares about the heart. Very good. So what you're saying is the world might take look at love and say, we can love whatever we want. Love things that appeal to the flesh. And what ends up happening is they compromise God's truth, right? Correct. And that's something that, that we really want to avoid. So we want to explore this idea a little bit. What is godly love? What are we to love and what are we not to love? Simon. Romans 12 verse 9 says to abhor evil. Amos 5 verse 15 says to hate evil and to love good. Therefore, we cannot compromise love when the Bible clearly says to abhor evil and to love good. No wishy-washiness about it. Okay. The Bible states it very clearly, as you mentioned. and there, That means that God has these characteristics to love good and to hate evil. And we have to be aware of that with everything that we do. Love does not mean compromise and bend towards evil. Now, there's some beautiful qualities of love. Daniel, could you read us a couple verses um, in 1 Corinthians 13 to show us what love is? All right, so it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. Beautiful. So that's just a couple of verses. There's a whole bunch more qualities in 1 Corinthians 13 that we could read. But um, I think 
Daniel's read those two verses well, and we can get a concept of what love is and what God is all about. Now, let's go to the next question where we've got Bethany and Kenzie who are going to answer for us. What is the ultimate demonstration of love? We just had a few characteristics read, but what is the ultimate demonstration of this? The ultimate demonstration of love is Christ's death. In 1 John 3, verse 16, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Also, Revelation 1, verse 5 reads, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Very good. So, so could you summarize that by saying that godly love, or the, the ultimate demonstration of love is sacrifice mm -hmm. okay i think sacrifice is something that we can all um, think about it's not necessarily that we have to die like the lord jesus did but we give ourselves to each other all right we we now turn to prisca who's going to answer the question what does this mean practically for us so practically like the ultimate example is obviously um jesus and dying on the cross but we had in Philippians, Philippians 2, verse 3. Uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in the lowliest of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Like putting others before you and having a humble spirit about, spirit about it and working for others and laying down your life, not in like the physical sense, but in the metaphorical sense of working for others. I love it. Um, I like how you added this idea of humility as well, because you can't sacrifice without humility. Humility is a recognition that you need to submit to God, and there's nothing in ourselves that, um, that is worth boasting about. Now, Zoe, do you have a, a real-life example of where life can be shown in the Ecclesia, this, this idea of sacrifice? In 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, we are told not to let anyone despise our youth, but to be an example of the believers in word, conversation, love, spirit, and impurity. Even in our youth, we can show love in the ecclesia by helping out where we can, sacrificing our time to do jobs we not, might not want to do. In John 13, verse 34 to 35, and Mark 12, verse 31, we are commanded to love one another as we love ourselves. And we can show this in, as I said, sacrificing our time to help out and helping out in any area we can in the ecclesia. All right. And there's, there's so many ways in the Ecclesia, right? There's not just one way. And I think God has also asked us to look for ways to contribute, for ways to sacrifice. And that's going to look different for different people. Now, we talked about this with the younger teens. Uh, sometimes people will say the God of love is just in the New Testament. The Old Testament God is not a God of love. Natalie, what would you say to that? Um, I would say that love is also in the Old Testament because Leviticus 19 verse 18 says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Excellent. Now, if we were to go to Leviticus 19 verse 18, do we actually see more than just this phrase loving thy neighbor as thyself? Is there anything else which demonstrates, ah, yeah, love is, love is there? We do. The context, which is verses 14 through 17, says or shows us how we should act towards others, especially those less fortunate than ourselves. 
Okay. Is there is it just positive examples or is there negative examples as well? There's negative too, because part of love is caring enough about others to correct them when they're in the wrong. Right. And, and we can see that in the, the verses before Leviticus 19, verse 18, which says, love thy neighbor as thyself. And, and part of that is, is rebuke if it's needed. And that's part of the qualities of love. Um, so, Hannah Thompson, does God forget to incorporate love into his law? Well, God's law is explained in Galatians 5, verse 14, which says, love your neighbor as yourself. And in Romans 13, verse 8 to 10, which says that love is the fulfilling of the law. These verses clearly show that God did not forget to incorporate love into his law. They very clearly demonstrate that God would like how God would like us to act toward each other and to him. Love is clearly a very important trait in God's eyes, and we need to do our best to love one another and him. Isn't that incredible? God can, can give us one command, and with that one command, he can summarize the entire law. So it, it's a principle to live by, because if we understand that principle, then we can live out all of the beautiful characteristics of the law. The law is fulfilled in one word, as you said, Hannah Thompson, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And that's, that's Galatians 5. Now, Harry, I've, I've ended with this next question for a reason. I think it's really special the way James chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 describe love. And describe, can you first tell us how is love described in James 2, verse 7 and 8? It's called the what law? Uh, it's described as the royal law. And why do you think that is? Well, it is the first and greatest commandment, and it's about love for God and each other. James 1 verse 8 says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. It's the greatest law that royally rules and is, the over, all the, is over all the other laws. If love is put first by the Bible's definition, then we can better understand that it has a real, true, beautiful meaning behind it. It has substance behind it. Excellent. So when we look at this royal law, what we're real, realizing is that all of the other laws are subservient. They come under this great law, this law of love. The other interesting thing about James, and in that context, is the brothers and sisters at this time, there was some conflicts in the ecclesia, and some were looking at others and wishing they had riches and, and wishing they were royalty. And James says, you want to be royalty? You want to, you want to be a king? Live out the law of love. It's the royal law. Okay, thank you for all contributing to this uh, Remember Now Thy Creator podcast. Maybe if we can, of all of the teens um, who are listening, give a round of applause to those who... Thank you. We had some very enthusiastic clapping. That was good. Um, but I think in going through all of those verses, looking at the law of love, we can better remember now thy creator. Uh -huh.